0: at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.
1: Anybody remember watching that game? I know some of the the men in particular may remember that particular playoff series. And obviously right now, if you've been following football in any kind of way or if you are aware of what's going on in sports media, uh, the NFC and AFC championship games are on today. Uh, so we are in coming to the, the apex of the football season. And so I thought it was appropriate from that standpoint to include this video. But I also included it because that gentleman that was running with the ball, his name is Marshawn Lynch. Uh, when I look at that run, I look at somebody that said, no matter who is in front of me, no matter how hard they try to come and stop my progress or my momentum. I'm going to get to my goal. In other words. Through all of his efforts through the the juking and the, the stiff arm. He said New Orleans Saints. Not today. He, he, he said Today. I'm not going down because it's something I must obtain, it's something I must achieve. That end zone is going to be my home in a few moments. I don't know about you, saints of God, but there's been times where even when I was in the school system and I, I kind of was already on one because of what happened the day before. And I, I, I made up in my mind, I said, I'm not taking an L today. Like, y'all, y'all might have got me on yesterday. I left up out of here a little bit, whooped up, and I had a headache, and I was frustrated. But that morning when I walked through those doors, I made up in my mind, not today. And if you're like me, and you've decided that I'm going to cross over, no matter what comes, come hell, come high water, no matter what is going on around me, I'm going to get to that place that God has for me. I am crossing over. And if you're like me, you say, devil, not today. Cousins, not today. Come on, you ever had that? You even with parents, you walk into the house and your your children just get to going automatically. You haven't even put your bag down and taken your coat off. And you just look at them and say, not today. Marshawn said, not today, New Orleans. I'm going to score. It's interesting because in this particular clip, what you see is something that prompted a response that Was never experienced before according to those who who were in the area the 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 noise level of the crowd because what we have to understand about this particular game the 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 Seahawks were not supposed to be in this game they 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 were seven and nine going into the playoffs and if you know football teams that have that particular record usually don't make the playoffs uh, but they made it by the, by the hairs of their chinny chin chin. They, they barely got in. And, and they were underdogs in this particular game. And so the game was on the line. And so when Marshawn broke that run, it was 67 yards. And he broke nine tackles because he said, I'm not losing today. And the reaction from the crowd—they—they were so—they were so they were so, uh, so much in jubilation, and they were so excited. The—the the, those who, who who measure who measure sound decibel levels—they said that there had never been a day like that recorded in history before. There was a seismograph a hundred yards away from the stadium. They thought it was it was earthquake type level. Never before had there been such a reaction. They said that it, a- it actually registered as a small tremor. And so infamously, it became known as the Beast Quake. It catapulted Marshawn Lynch onto the national scene. It gave him new notoriety, new respect, and new influence that he never had before. And so I want to title this message today, like never before like never before i'll come back to marshawn uh, at the close of today's sermon but if you would please go with me to uh, joshua uh, chapter 10 and i want you to just park there joshua chapter 10 eventually we'll start to read at verse 1 but i want you to go there and park there so that when it is time we can all join in together. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation for those who may be curious and or need that information. Amen. Father, thank you for this word. Help me to preach it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That was an experience that the NFL had never really witnessed before based upon the reaction from the crowd. It wasn't that there hadn't been tremendous runs before. Many running backs and and, and wide receivers and and athletes had done uh, things that probably could be said to be on the same level, but it was what happened next that was a like-never-before experience. And what we have to understand as as people of God and even those who who may right now be on the outs, you may say, well, I'm here, but I'm not necessarily sure of my salvation. What you must understand is that God wants to bring you into a place where you have a, a proximity to him that is not distant, where you have a proximity to him that is up close. And personal. Now it's interesting because God often helps us to understand things spiritually by way of things that occur naturally, and what we know about life in the natural is that it is a collection of experiences. Our experiences shape our worldview. They shape our perspective. It it influences who we say we like and who we say we don't like. Our experiences in, in, in some ways shape our biases or the level of prejudice we may have. You know, I love a strawberry ice cream. This person likes chocolate ice cream. I like it when it's cold. I don't like it when it's cold. We all have different perspectives and it's often based upon experiences for a long time. I didn't like gorillas because I used to go to showbiz. You remember showbiz that was on, uh, was that, Good Hope? And that gorilla used to scare me every time it came out. So I couldn't stand gorillas. That was an experience that kind of traumatized me. And I didn't like looking at gorillas because experiences begin to shape our worldview. Whether we have family experiences, some of us have been shaped by family experiences that were positive and or negative. Educational experiences shape our worldview. Our experiences with our peers shape our perspective. Even media, I don't know about you, but I remember when Michael Jackson thriller video came out and once again when he made them changes of faces I got scared uh, I didn't like that experience and so for a long time I didn't like Michael Jackson because I didn't like how he changed on me you know I, I had the glove I had the doll I had the jacket I had the shirt but at that moment I stopped liking Mike because of that experience so media uh, occurrences begin to shape our worldview and our perspective about people And what's true in the natural is also true in the spirit. God wants us to have experiences with him that are like none other. In other words, God wants you to experience him in a way that all other experiences in the natural must come subject or subordinate to the experience that you had in him. Now, what we must understand is that God loves us so tremendously and we heard remnants of this message in the songs that we sang during worship and praise and even during the the exhortation by the service host. We have to understand that the reason God is not done with you and the reason that God wants you to cross over and the reason that God wants you to say, hey, I'm not going back and I must move forward and the reason why I believe the great cloud of witnesses in heaven begins to rejoice and celebrate and cheer you on when you make up in your mind like Marshawn Lynch. It's Not today. I'm not going down. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. It's because God has more for you. God wants to bring you to a place again where the proximity is not distant, but it's up close and personal. What we have to understand about God. And this is a beautiful thing about salvation. And for those who who may not be saved today, you need to understand this about your creator and the God of heaven. He chose to send Christ Jesus because he loved us. He loved you. In other words, there are different reasons for salvation. And for time's sake, I won't go into all of them right now. But the, the initial reason why those of us who are saved are saved is because God loved us and he wanted to period he loves us and he wanted to in other words we didn't he didn't have to have a reason beyond that but it was because of his great love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe upon him will not perish but have eternal life it's because he loves you so much He chose you, and if we were to go theologically, that's the doctrine of election. In other words, he chose you. It wasn't because of what you did. It's because of who you are. You are his creation, his crown, his crown achievement in the creatorial act of God. He loves you. And because of Jesus Christ, we have been brought into the family of God and we've been made heirs with Christ. And this is very important because we understand that if we be an evil, even as my, my wife just said in her exhortation, if we being evil would we'll do great things and do good things for our children, how much more will our heavenly father? If we ask for a fish, he will not give us a serpent. If we ask for bread, he will not give us stone. God is too good for that and he loves us too much and so in christ jesus if you go back to ephesians chapter one paul uses this term he says that we've been brought into the adoption of god he adopted us in other words we were not a part of his family but he brought us into his family we were on the outs but he brought us in how because of his love and because of his grace and so you and I have been cho- selected we've we've been chosen to be a part of the family of God now if we understand the context in which Paul was speaking then we really get a revelation of why this is important and why we understand that God is not done with us because if you and I who are parents love our children I can remember looking at my son and my daughter when they were infants and just imagining the things that they would do and wondering what's the great things God has for them how many of you parents ever looked at your children and say man I, I I, I, I can't wait till you go to school. I, I, I see great things in you. You know, they start drawing and you say, oh, I got a Picasso or I got a Jacob Lawrence or I got a painter or an artist on my hands. They start building blocks and I got an engineer on my hands. Now, if you would think those good thoughts about your children, how much more would God begin to uh, 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 think those good, those great things and how much more would God have these great expectations? Why? Because he designed you. He's not one speculating. He already wrote the book the Bible says in psalm 139 all the days of my life were recorded in your book so god celebrates you god looks at you in marvels god looks at you and smiles because he already knows the plans that he has for you and so paul uses this term adoption because in the roman empire a roman law said this that 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 a, that a, that a person could be brought from the outs and brought in in other words in the roman empire and in roman civilization A a, a slave could actually be adopted or brought into the family. And once a person was adopted, they had the same rights and benefits as their natural children. And so Paul uses this language to help us understand how God views us. Jesus said in, in John chapter 8 verse 34, he said, He who sins is a slave of sin. And so that means that's somebody that's that's bound and that's on the outside of his, of, of his mercy and on the outside of his grace and on the outside of his family. But Paul uses this term to help us understand that when we got saved, we were adopted. And even though we previously were bound and we previously were slaves, Now we have all the rights and benefits that Christ Jesus has as his son. Hence we understand why we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hence we understand why we have all spiritual blessings because we belong to the Lord God. You're not a, a, a second-class citizen in his kingdom. Come on. He don't treat you like a stepchild. Come on. God is not that evil stepmother or that evil stepfather that sometimes have shaped our experiences. When you belong to the Lord God, you have everything. And the biggest, the biggest benefit of it all is that he is our inheritance. In other words, the most, the most important benefit that you and I derive from being in Christ Jesus is because now we can cry out, Abba, Father. He gave us his spirit and we declare that now I belong to him. He is our inheritance. And so now if we understand that that because of his great love he, he brought us into his family and because of his great love and his desire for our lives he never wants us to stop because opposition comes. He 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 never he never wants us to fall back and and, 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 to, and to fade away because things get hard. He he wants us to, to press. He, he, he wants us to keep on pushing. And the design of the enemy is to get us to want to stop. And so, just like the the saints were coming at the Seahawks, you you got one player coming at your legs. And then you got somebody else coming up high, and you got somebody else trying to grab you from behind, because the devil doesn't want you to progress towards the things that God has for you. God wants us to have, like never before, experiences. In other words, that was a day that I don't believe we've ever seen again. Now that's okay in the natural, but when it comes to the things of the Spirit, God wants us to have these like never before experiences all the time. And he wants us to have these experiences because they enlarge our faith. And when our faith is enlarged, then we can extend his reign in the earth by giving him away to other people. In other words, through Christ Jesus, I experience his presence. And now that I have his presence, now that it is upon me and it is in me, guess what? I can now give it away to other people. That's the benefit that people have when they are around saved people. At least that's what it's supposed to be. In other words, Moses said, it's your presence among us that makes us different. So I'm not going, God, unless you go with me. And that's what we need to say every time our, our feet hit the floor on a Monday morning or a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Whatever day it is, we have to say, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Because I need your presence. I can't make it without your presence. God, do something different today than what you've done before, somebody say like never before. Hallelujah. You see, I'm thoroughly convinced that God is still after Psalm 8, 4 through 9. If you're familiar with that text, David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And if you go on in the text, verse 6 says that thou, thou hast thou has given them charge over everything that you created or you made and put all things under their authority. What we know about Jesus Christ is that he rose with our power and authority in his hand. And guess what? He is ruler over everything. I believe, according to Romans 8, 29, that we have been predestined to reach the stature and the measure of Jesus Christ. In other words, the Lord foreknew us he chose us and he foreknew us and he predestinated us to be just like Jesus Christ our destiny is to be just like him to have authority come on, to speak to mountains to, 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 to make miracles when there's messes all around us hallelujah to turn moments of misery into moments of merriment hallelujah hallelujah He destined us to be just like his son, and if that's true, then that means that we have to recognize that the experiences that we go through are meant to make us more aware of him. The experiences that we go through are designed, hallelujah, and they are allowed by him, not necessarily orchestrated, but they are allowed by him because God knows that our faith has to be proven. God knows that in and of our natural self, we don't have the fortitude that it's going to take to be able to the reign like Jesus reigns. God knows that it has to take some chiseling and it has to take some hammering and there has to be some cutting and some refining so that we can grow into that image of his dear son. And so there's experiences that we have to have and the thing about human nature is that we begin to we, we, we begin to get predictable and we begin to memorize patterns. We, we, we begin to get familiar with people. And so because you've been this way all my life, every time I see you, I expect you to show up this way. And because they come in, when not come in church, every time we start out like this, then this is just going to be a regular old service. We begin to rely on the predictability of the elements around us. We begin to take note of the patterns and we begin to perceive that it must be like this. And what God says to us is, I don't want the experiences that you've had in your life to make you believe that this is how I want you to live life. And words people of the world people of the earth life as you know it is not how it's supposed to be what you call reality is not reality and when Jesus came and declared the father when the word became flesh he was saying now Now you know what's real. You want to know what's real love? Come on Mary J. Bloss. You want to know what real love is? This is real love. I I surrender my life. I lay down my life. That's real love. Greater love hath no man than he would lay his life down for a friend. That's real love. Uh, uh, The the Roman Empire is not the empire that you should be uh, 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 subscribing to. Uh, The the way the government leaders and the religious leaders and the scribes and the Sadducees and the Pharisees lorded over you, that's not true government. And so a Mark. Chapter 1, it says that Jesus came announcing the kingdom. Why? Because he was trying to help us to understand that the kingdom is the true reality. I'm not destined man to be subjugated under the foot of another man. I didn't create man to dominate one another. So genocide is wrong and enslavement is wrong and oppression is wrong and genderism is wrong. and All these other isms are not the reality that God wants us to have. And so we have to have experiences that help us to understand that about him. He wants better for us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to go forward. He wants us to cross over. Hallelujah. So let's go to Joshua 10 now. The Bible says in Joshua 10, verse 1, it says, Now Adonazadec, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed A and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the city of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they heard all this because Gibeon was a large city, as large as the royal cities and larger than A, and the Gibeonite men were mighty warriors. So King Adonizadek of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings, Hoham of Hebron, Piram of Jarmuth, Japhiah of Lachish, Lachish, and Debir of Eglon, come and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. Just a little bit of an aside, if you allow me to digress for a moment. We are approaching what the country recognizes as Black History Month, and I just want to give you a bit of a nugget. For those who are historians and uh, you appreciate uh, things of the past of antiquity, you must understand and know this, that the Amorites were derived from the people group called the Canaanites. And genealogically, we understand that Canaan was a son of Ham. Ham was a a a son of Noah. Ham is important because Ham uh, uh, probably had a complexion like mine. He, he was considered the, the, the black one of Noah's sons. And so therefore, if he was black, as we understand it, then that means his children were also what? Black. And, he, and so Canaan was a black man, and Canaan had children. And the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Hivites and the Hittites and the Gergesites, all these fall up under the lineage of Amorites. So I said all that to say we're dealing with some brothers right here. We're dealing with some brothers right here, so hopefully this will help you change the way you look at the Scripture. In other words, we think we weren't in the book, but guess what? We were all through the book. Come on, go home and tell somebody that. Did you know? Hallelujah. And if you need a scriptural reference, go back to Genesis chapter 10. There's something called the Table of Nations. It'll break it all down for you. Amen. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program. Verse 6. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at Gilgal. Don't abandon your service now, they pleaded. Come quickly and save us, for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have come out against us with their army. So Joshua and the entire Israelite army left Gilgal and set out to rescue Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I will give you victory over them. Not a single one will be able to stand up to you. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorites' army by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered them in great numbers at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth-haran and attacked them at Azekah and Makeda, killing them along the way. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth-haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm that continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites the victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed. Pay attention. Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun and moon stood still until the Israelites had defeated their enemies Let me fast forward a little bit. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. The Lord fought for Israel that day. Never before. Somebody say never before. Never before or since has there been a day like that one when the Lord answered such a request from a human being. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I don't have the time to go into that particular understanding there, but what you and I must understand is that this was a new experience for Joshua and the Israelites. In other words, God had been working mightily in their lives already. Already God was doing things in their lives, and the the previous uh, chapters help us to understand this. We've been talking about crossing over for the last several weeks, and we are yet in that season of the crossover. Uh, God said to Moses back in Exodus that I'm gonna bring these people out of bondage and lead them to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Some of you may not realize this. This was not metaphorical, but this was actually literal. Honey literally flowed in that land. And so God was giving him an, a, a preview of what he had. Honey also represents abundance honey also represents blessing and a pleasantness. So God was saying, I'm going to bring them out of their hardship and bring them into a place of blessing. And God had given uh, Joshua and the Israelites some significant experiences prior to that. Uh, They crossed the Jordan, Joshua chapter 3. In chapter 5, they were consecrated at Gilgal. In chapter 6, we saw Jericho's walls fall down. In Joshua chapter 8, they defeated the the, the people of A. And in Joshua chapter 9, they made peace with the it be night. Nice. So we see a succession and a sequence of experiences that the people of God had where God showed up as a deliverer. God showed up as a provider. God showed up as one who was bringing refinement to their lives. They had a close proximity to God. There were numerous experiences, but guess what? God is like those movie franchises that say, you thought the last one was special. Where do you get a load of this? They, they on number seven and number eight of the franchise. Why? Because they said, we're not done yet. And I want to say to you, Park long, God is not done with you yet. I know you shout and you celebrate because God has been so good to you. And yes, he has. He's brought you a mighty long way. Yes, he has. He raised you up and he set your feet on solid ground. Yes, he did. But guess what? He's not done. There's more that he has for you. And so what we have to understand is that crossing over can't be our end. It is a means to an end. Well, why do you say that? Because they crossed over so they could conquer. I think you missed that. They crossed over so they could conquer. The promise was not that they would cross over. The promise was that they would go into the land. And now we understand this particular text because the Bible says when uh, 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 the, the king of, of, of Jerusalem at that particular particular time Adonizedek heard about all oh, he did he heard about what God was doing come on you you wonder why there's opposition against you wonder why it feels like the enemy is, is 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 coming at you on all sides and all kind of crazy stuff is going on it's because there's there's been an alert in the realm of the spirit that something is happening in the life of that particular daughter of god or something is happening in the life of that particular man of god your your reputation is preceding you and hell is getting nervous because you say oh I'm crossing over, and and hell would have been okay if all you did was cross over and stop at Jericho. But for some strange reason, you keep on coming. Whoa, hold on, wait a minute. What are you doing? No, I'm crossing over because God gave me a dominion mandate, and I'm going to possess the land. Possess it, possess it. I'm going in. And so he got scared, and he knew that he was not formidable enough to take on Israel and Joshua by by himself. And so what did he do? You know, this is why I know he was a brother, because what he did was he got on that phone. (laughs) You know, he got on that phone. If you're from the 80s, he got on that pay phone. If you're from the 2000s, he got on that cell phone, and he began to call up his people. He began to call up his boys. He got a squad, a big confederation, a big coalition. Why? To stop the progress of the people of God. We must understand that God has ordained for us to possess, but the devil is not going to allow that to happen easily. So, what does that mean? That we have to have a warfare posture. We have to have a disposition that, like Marshawn Lynch, not today. My children acting up, not today. My boss is acting crazy. Not today. I got this unexpected bill. I know I paid that bill. Now they're telling me I got a balance. You got to have a resolve to say, not today. I'm not going to allow these distractions or these diversions to cause me to forfeit the promise that God has for me. I'm going in. Somebody say, I'm going in. I'm going in. Now, here's, here's how the devil is a dirty fighter. Because Adonai knew he couldn't come against Joshua and the Israelites, as we say in the streets, head up. (laughs) You know, fight me head up. He knew he couldn't do it one-on-one, so what did he do? He went after somebody else. He went after the Gibeonites. That's like the enemy going after your, 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 your kinsfolk. That's like the enemy going after your children or your grandchildren or your siblings or attacking your parents with sickness of some kind. In other words, he knows you got too much faith. And he knows you're too strong, but he also knows that you might get a little bit weaker if I come against the one you love. You, you 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 might get a little bit you, you you might become a little bit hesitant or intimidated or distracted if i begin to pummel those you love and the gibeonites had come into a, a relationship with the people of Israel now it's interesting because they actually were deceptive they lied they were scared of the israelites too and so what they did is they faked as if they were poor and destitute and and and, and they said you know please don't kill us please don't dispossess us please don't take over us and so Joshua had compassion and mercy. But watch this. The Bible says that Joshua did not consult the Lord all the other conquests, all the other victories up until that time, guess what? Joshua had a conversation with the Lord. He had a little talk with Jesus. Lord, should I do this? Lord, should I do that? And some of us got beef right now. You have a displeasure with some people in your family right now because you did something for them and guess what? You didn't pray about it. You looked at their situation. You looked at how bad they were. They were in a bad way and so you said, yes, I'll help you but God didn't tell you to do it. Now you're frustrated. Now you're salty at them. Now you feel a little prickly. They, you don't even want them to come to your house because they did you wrong. But guess what? God says they steal your people. And so even though the Gibeonites had deceived Joshua and the Israelites, guess what? He still responded to their plea for help. And so we see in the text, they cried out, help us. They called Joshua up. Help us. They are coming to destroy us. So what did Joshua do? Regulators, mount up. He called out to his, to his crew. He took his entire army and the best, the elite, the supreme troops, and he went and he came to their aid and their defense. I'm here to tell you today, don't forget about your people. I know they did you wrong. I know you're not really feeling them right now, but go and help your people. God has ordained that they cross over with you. This is why he brought you out, so that you can help bring them out. Tell somebody, go get your people. Hallelujah. Yes, God. And so we see here, Joshua, he goes and he fights for the Gibeonites. Interestingly enough, these two, our people descended from Canaan. Okay, so it's more, 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 more folks of color right here. Uh, uh, but, but Joshua, in the heat of the battle, he praised his prayer, Lord, let the sun stand still. How many ever needed a miracle? And see, here is God's proof that he's with you. Here is the heavenly endorsement because the Bible says that the things that God did to come against the enemy outweighed what the the Israelites and Joshua did to defeat the enemy. The Bible says first of all that God threw them into a panic. And now they 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 they, they, they all over the place. They don't know what to do. I, I can't find my sword. I can't find my my shield. They all over the place and so at that particular point the Israelites had an advantage, but that if that wasn't enough, the Bible says that The Lord caused a hailstorm. He even had the elements working against the the, the, the people of this particular confederation. In other words, as you have made up in your mind that I'm not only going to cross over, but I believe your word, God, and what you said is for me, is for me. I'm going to possess that land. God will pull out all the stops to make sure you are victorious and that you succeed. He'll defy the laws of nature until you prevail. He'll do something unprecedented until you prevail. And just like the text says, never before was there a day like that one. It's interesting that the Bible goes on to tell us uh, 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 later, or if you study uh, uh, the the text, uh, Joshua conquered the whole land in six years. It's interesting, if I could just digress for a moment, but six is the number of man. Man represents flesh. And so what this helps us to understand is that we cannot possess the land that God has for us until we conquer our flesh. You can't do it in your own strength. In other words, Bishop said it the other day, there's an enemy in me. And so I got to conquer my flesh. I, I can't wage a good warfare if I'm in the flesh. If somebody comes against me talking crazy, come on, if somebody comes comes to me with some confusion, if I get in the flesh, then I can't prosper. Why? Because James said the, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So I can't please God and do the thing that he wants me to do if I'm in my flesh. So I got to get out of my flesh. I got to yield to the Holy Ghost. Come on, when you want to get sarcastic and you want to cuss somebody out, come on. You need to say, "Holy ghost, sit on me." Why? Because the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 3, that there were cloven tongues like as a fire and they sat upon each of them. When you want to go off, say, "Lord, sit on me." You got to conquer that flesh. Romans 8:13 says, "It's through the work of the spirit that we mortify, that we subdue, that we subjugate the works of of the flesh. We have to conquer our flesh if we're going to go in. There's some more things that God wants us to know. And here's a question before I go into this though. What are you willing to believe God for this year? I just said that all the experiences that Israel had were not the, 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 the end. They were a means. In other words, God was not done. So for all that God has done for you, what are you willing to believe him for now? What hasn't he done for you? You might say, well, I'm good. No, you're not good. You know why? Because you don't know all the plans that he has for you. So you're saying you're good, but that's natural understanding. Come on, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God has more for you. What are you willing to believe him for? This year, I believe God wants to bring you to a new place of leadership and devotion. The Bible says you don't have to go to this. Listen 2 Kings 23. In 25 it says never before had there been a king like Josiah come on don't give up on your children don't give up on your teenagers don't give up on the young adults hallelujah God is raising up some Josiahs in this generation the Bible says who feared the Lord with all of his heart all of his soul all of his strength and obeyed him like never before leadership arising even in the midst of our youth Isaiah 48 and 8 says I will tell you things that are entirely new things you've never heard of before hallelujah Hallelujah! God wants to give you new revelation this year the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 7 it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to serve save his family from the flood he obeyed God and who warned him about things that had never happened before God wants to release strategies in your life God wants to give you new insight God wants to give you knowledge of witty inventions 1st Samuel 3 and 7 says Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Some of you are going to meet God in the midnight hour. God is going to give you messages. God wants to bring you into intimacy. He wants to remove you from being distant and bring you to a place where you are closer and you can hear his voice. Mark 2 and 12 says, and the man jumped up grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Somebody say, like never before. God wants you to enter into a realm of the like never before. Will you believe God? I know I never saw this, God. And that's a good place to pause right there. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that God didn't say it. God, i never seen nothing like this before. You think Noah ever saw an ark before? No, it never rained before. So there are some never-before tragedies that the devil might try to bring your way, but guess what? God has a ne- like never-before answer. He has a like never-before remedy, and he wants to give it to you. Some of you need to believe God for miracles and healings. You waiting for something to happen right here, but God wants you to be in Target. Come on. God wants you to be in Best Buy. God wants you to be in Metro Mart, pick and save, and he wants you to believe him to do a mighty touch and outpouring right then and there. Don't say we'll come to church. Don't say my bishop will pray for you. No, you pray for hallelujah like never before. It's interesting. um, I I, I, I realized that in order to have a true like never before disposition where we believe God to do the impossible, we believe him for what's 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 not even been manifested before. Perhaps, you know, you might be the first in your family. You may be the first. From your school. You may be the first in your neighborhood. You may be the first in this church. Come on, don't let don't 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 be intimidated because there's other leaders up here. You might be the first one that God uses to do a thing. But I realize that it's hard to enter into that realm of like never before until you say, Never again. Until you say, Never again. In other words, when you've determined that I'm moving forward in the Lord and I'm going to believe him for things that I've never seen before, it requires that you break with some things that you become accustomed to. And so, you know, I'm on a journey right now. I don't know about you, but I'm crossing over. And it's, it's somewhere I got to be because it's something I must possess. And so let me just look in my, my suitcase for a minute. And let's see some things I need to get rid of. You know, some of us meet we, we gotta have that resolve that never again, never again will I will I compromise my faith by by listening to the lies of the enemy. Uh, Never again will I make excuses. (laughs) Oh, I got two of them. Excuses. I'm making too many excuses. Never again will I stop the progress that God has for me because I'm making excuses. Uh, Never again will I allow the pain that people have caused me to cause me to stay in a place of complacency. To cause me to not believe God for his promises. Oh, What's this? Oh, never again will I allow impurity. I know there's been some impurity in my life, uh, but I'm not going to allow that to stop. Me, the Bible says I can come out of those things. It says I can come out of sexual impurity, I can come out of lust, and I can stop masturbating. You ain't gonna say nothing. I can stop uh, looking at women lustfully, even though I'm married, and I can stop looking at men lustfully, even though I'm married. So I'm gonna never again will impurity stop me. Never again will I allow sorrow to stop me. Never again will I allow pride to stop me. Never again will I allow rebellion and and disobedience to stop me. Uh, Never again will habitual sin uh, stop me. Never again will I allow, what's this, jealousy and and envy to stop me. Never again will I allow bondage to stop me. Uh, Never again will I allow double-mindedness and confusion and indecisiveness to stop me. Never again will I allow the works of darkness to stop me because I'm going in. I'm going somewhere. Come on, touch somebody. Say, I'm going somewhere. Come on. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Hallelujah. I'm going somewhere. And now I plan to stay. Come on, touch somebody. Say, possess the land. Come on, say, possess the land. Say, possess the land. Come on, tell them you got to go. Come on, tell them we can't stay here. Come on, not today. Not today, pain. Not today, envy. Not today, sin. Not today, excuses. Not today, rebellion. Not today. Not today, bondage. I'm tired of being bound. I'm tired. Not today. Come on, somebody shout, not today. Not today. Never again. Will I believe the lies of the devil? Never again will I allow my family name to cause me to be stuck. Never again will I allow what I see to stop me. I'm going someplace. And when I get there, I plan to stay. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can be seated. I'm getting ready to close. never again, never again, come on, never again, come on, you got to have that kind of resolve, never again, come on, you got to look at that number on your phone and say, never again, you got to look at that man and say, never again, come on, I'm a daughter of God, I will be pure, no, you can't touch me, no, you can't call me, no, you can't come over, never again, Hallelujah. Come on. You got to look at that blunt. You got to look at that weed and say never again. You got to look at that bottle and say never again. You got to look at that television because you was watching pornography and say never again. Look at that computer with them sights and say never again. God's got too much for me. Don't be religious and stop. Religious people, stop. Because they say, well, God has done this, and this is what I know about God. Job said, how can we even understand God? He's too wonderful for us to understand. In other words, theologically, that means that God is inscrutable. There's a mystery about him. As much as you think you know, you will never know all there is to know about God. He wants you now to live by revelation. I want to share this with you briefly. How do we enter into that realm of like never before? It's by faith. It's by faith. If we're not careful, we allow hardships and crisis to cause us to become stagnant and unbelieving. The Bible says, and you can put this up, media, Hebrews 1035. The King James says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God. Notice it says After ye might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And I just want to share this briefly. That concept there of drawing back, said the just shall live by faith. Well, how are we going to not only cross over, but how are we going to conquer? It's by faith. Now, that expression there in the Greek, draw back is a maritime expression. In other words, it comes from those who made their living by the sea. And to draw back literally meant this. If a ship was out to sea and it dropped its sail, they considered that drawing back. And so what God wants us to understand today, if we draw back, it means that we're dropping our sail. In other words, faith is like that sail that allows the boat to be powered and allows that boat to have direction. Why? Why? Because the wind depends, sorry, the sail depends on the wind, and the wind depends on the sail to propel that ship forward. The wind here is a type of God, the Holy Ghost. So Holy Spirit is waiting on us to have faith. That's why the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so, if we don't have faith, guess what? That means that we have dropped our sail. And so, some of us wonder why we're not moving forward. It's because for some reason we've had an experience that brought us to a place of doubting God. And so, even though you're coming to church, you don't see something happening. Why? Because, in essence, you have lowered your sail. You're on the waters, but your sail's not up. You're not believing Him like you used to believe. And so, Paul or the writer of Hebrews says, He will take no pleasure in those who draw back. In other words, he can't work with somebody who does not have their faith to assert and to give and exhibit. Somebody say, don't draw back. Don't drop your sail, saints. Keep your sail up. If you have faith, guess what? You can come out. If you have faith, guess what? You can go in. Because the essence of deliverance is not just that you came out. The essence of deliverance is that you also came in. In other words, if I order a pizza, just because it left Pizza Hut doesn't mean that I got it. In other words, it's not delivered to me, I guess, until it's what? In my hand. So I can say, oh, it, they could, I could call and they could say, well, it left 20 minutes ago. And I'm going to tell them, well, I don't have it in my hand. And so if it's not in my hand, guess what? It's not been delivered. And so God might have brought you out. He might have done great things, but if you have not occupied that place that he wants you to, then the deliverance is not complete. And so often we, we, we stop because we say, he brought me out. But no, did you go in yet? And so God wants us to have a like never before experience with him because he's not content with you just coming out. He wants you to go in. Somebody say go in. Come on, say, coming in, coming in. Coming in, coming in. Get out of my way. I'm coming in. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters.
0: Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.